Welcome back to Office Thursdays with another mini-sode of Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica, a retrospective on NBC's The Office. I'm your co-host Cameron DeLapp, and Colby's still in Africa, but we invite you to join along with us as we watch and discuss every episode of NBC's The Office. Without further ado, this is... Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica. Bears Beats. Bears Welcome back. Today we are on the fifth of five planned mini-sodes to slow it down for the summer. But in order to not be a total tease by keeping stuff until the very end, an important announcement here, I'm going to start out with a special announcement about the nature of the podcast going forward. And this way it's not just a, oh, listen to me talk for this whole thing and then I'll announce it. I'm going to get into the special announcement right now. So <laughs> the show is going to be going on hiatus until Colby returns from Africa. Or until I can find a more regular co-host. Because if I'm being honest, the entire point of the podcast, besides going over and over a fantastic television program, is been mainly an excuse to kick it with friends. But, uh, you know, people's schedules these days is getting harder to do. Even every two weeks. So, I will still probably build some sort of a backlog the back half of season six when I can. And I'm going to occasionally post updates or mini-sodes or... You know, if that rumored Office reboot is really in the works, like, I still haven't seen too much info about it since doing the preview when that came out last December, but I'll definitely be coming back for that. I mean, shit. If anything, the minisodes that I'll be releasing sporadically uh, should have improved quality. Hear me out. I can research relevant clips at, you know, like, a casual pace rather than the day before recording little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, I think all these clips are capable of being a nice enhancement to these minisodes. But it's also been a bit of a time pattern. So hopefully we'll avoid that with a little bit more time to, to prepare some sort of a... Like I've seen YouTube videos where they they take the time to edit all this stuff together. And, 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 and in the podcast medium, it should be at least, you know... I I don't know what I'm getting into here. Anyway... If anything, the hiatus is going to give more time to reflect on the later seasons of The Office. These early seasons, we had like seven to ten years to reflect. But we're coming up on the tenth of season five. And the plan is to finish the retrospective on season nine by 2023. I think it's a bold and ambitious move that shows how ahead of the game this podcast is to already be planning the ten-year anniversary of that. But we are coming up on the 10th year anniversary of Office Season 5. So without further ado, let's get into the re-retrospective in this slowing it down for summer. Uh, season 5, of course, noticeable for lots of production and writing staff changes. The season really was a test of like how the show would do without its showrunner and creator and adapter Greg Daniels. As well as Michael Schur, a couple other writers and producers. And uh, Paul Lieberstein took over as the new showrunner, though. It ended up being a good um, good choice, I think. Nice little fun fact on the awards side of things. Direct from Dunderpedia here. Season 5 earned 10 Emmy nominations and won one for Stress Relief. And for the fourth year in a row, it was merely nominated for the Best Comedy Award. And here's an interesting fact. I haven't seen any of the stats on the DVD sales for other seasons. But Season 5 DVD... Season 5's DVD became the number two... Oh my god, I'm 
clearly reading this verbatim from Dunderpedia. The season five DVD was the number two show in DVD sales and was the only sitcom in the top 10 of sales. I'm trying to interpret that. Number two show in DVD sales. So what would 24 be higher? I don't know. The only sitcom. So it's the non-sitcom, but it also like in all of DVDs, it's in the top 10. I don't know. She really just goes to show the popularity of The Office in 2009. I don't know. But it was also season five was special and that it was a big ass season. People, uh, that writer's strike really shook up the landscape in terms of like people don't know what's going to be happening to their favorite shows. The Office comes back with season five. It's super long and they're killing it. It it was really ambitious season two uh, in terms of like budget, production schedule, uh, lots of complicated shoots within episodes they talk about on the commentaries and whatnot, different facial hairs and costumes to shoot around. Uh, lots of shooting on location, like with the Michael Scott Paper Company. And there's the Super Bowl episode, which showed how far the show had come just in support from the network. Getting big-name actors, like, well, I guess, yeah, Idris Elba, big-name actor, in addition to the Super Bowl cameos. But just lots of big ideas in general for The Office. I don't know if, how much of this is, like, they, I don't know if they were just conscientiously making up for the short fourth season, or maybe they're trying to prove a point with... Greg Daniels leaving, get the Parks and Rivalry going, really stick it to Parks and Rec for their crappy first season. But I mean, also just, I know I've said this about probably every season, real roller coaster. <laughs> it's uh, the only real overarching plot throughout the season is was relationships. It kept it really open in terms of like what the show could do outside of the character-based stories. Uh, uh, you had the book ending of Michael and Holly, and the Jim Pam proposal in episode one, and then Michael and Holly reunion, and the Pam pregnancy in the finale, and then the whole first half of the season had that Andy, Angela, Dwight love triangle. They really stretched their legs with that room they had to work in. Uh, <laughs> there's just, you know, the very memorable episodes throughout the season. It's, you know, I don't know if I'm going to ultimately do a ranking of the seasons. It'd be make more sense to do a tier list, but, <laughs> like, I would probably put season five above season four, considering the short length of season four and the overall just consistency of season five. It's like considering all the staff changes and the fact that the show was approaching 100 episodes, it is really impressive how they somehow still made like compelling television about a paper sales company. Yeah, just applause all around for all the actors and writers and everybody involved in that show for what a feat that was. And then they ended up doing another hundred after it. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm just, I do a lot of rambling about the seasons and it's like more sharing my emotions on how I feel about the season than the actual facts about the season. So instead, I'm going to go straight to the horse's mouth and play some clips about, uh, uh, from the commentary about BJ Novak and the other writers, uh, sharing their opinions about things. The, the, the commentary for episode 20 in the season, Dream Team. Features a number of writers and producers, B.J. Novak, Aaron Schur, Charlie Grandy, Matt Sound, talking about the process of just making the show. And Aaron Schur is new to the writer's room, talks a little bit about that. But B.J. Novak just waxes poetic about like the themes of the season. I just find it massively interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to play the clips now. So the the first few clips here, they're just, uh, it's just B.J. talking about Charles Minor coming in. The, the difficulties and challenges that provided, and then just the, the new story arcs in general for the season. 
Charles is having. This Kevin is the well. Point. Jim's about to explain it too. <laughs> um, there's a whole bunch of sort of shifts in the office when Charles uh, comes in, Idris Elba's character, which was that that was introduced, Aaron, in your episode two weeks. Yes. So he made his debut there. Oh no, no, he he was uh, he came, new boss, new boss, oh new yeah, boss, yeah. right? Of course, his arc forced a lot of people to be in different positions, and I think that was a very funny concept that was pitched that Kevin would handle the phones and he put Stanley in charge of productivity you know Apple computer started in a garage so this is charming we were worried of course about this arc because um, we've struggled sometimes with Pam in New York and Jim in Stanford to make the episode still feel whole and not just have people itch for it to go back to the office so when we started this arc I think we were more confident because we knew we had Michael and Pam and Ryan it wasn't just one character going off to a new place but it, we were still nervous, you know, shooting so many people out of the office. And and then later on in the commentary, he jumps in. He, he talks a lot about the, the dynamics of the show that change a lot. And this is um, this is probably the theme of the season, just the changing dynamics. We've gotten to know these characters over a while. And I'm going to shut the fuck up and let BJ explain it. Jesus, what am I doing? I'm just here to hit play on some commentaries. <laughs> and then Michael, Pam, I think I noticed it most dramatically in lecture circuit, but they are such a great pairing. So we get to, you know, instead of Jim Pam and Jim Dwight and Michael Dwight, now you get this Michael Pam dynamic in this arc and this Jim Idris dynamic and um, some Dwight Andy. Well, we've done Dwight Andy. And Matt, Matt, you're over there going, yeah, but who cares if it's not shot well? (laughs) (laughs) I like breaking people out of the the relationship habits we have because you can really see what fine actors people are when it's not just Andy Angela, you know? Right. You see Andy with a new character, Andy with Jim. So, I mean, as long as I'm playing clips in this commentary, here's another clip about it. That was BJ Novak talking a lot about that. He clearly, all the writers clearly are very invested in the show and, and care about it a lot. And it, it comes through in the season. But here's a, here's a clip about Aaron Schur, one of the new writers coming into what is now an established show and, and his feelings on the subject. Charlie and I are, are we're, we're the new guys this year. Back, yeah, or? well, I, I'm always excited to see. Yeah, our what names. was it like? What, what did you expect, and what were your surprises? Uh, well, it was scary because the show is so great. I was a big fan of the show, and uh, you know, you got the job. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go from being a fan of the show to working on it. it was so I found it uh, intimidating at first because the show clearly didn't need any help. Yeah, and I came in as one of the older guys and fairly senior, and I knew less than everybody else in the room. See, so, yeah, fun little notes there. See, I don't know. I, the, even even with the new even with the new writers, though, I don't know if this is. <laughs> I'm about to just throw out outlandish opinions here. I don't know if this is colored by the fact that this is like the last season I was able to watch and discuss with friends regularly back in the day, or if it's just a coincidence. I feel like this is the last quote unquote classic season of The Office, like as a whole. Uh, it, it could be three or four is the last classic season, but especially with Greg Daniels leaving. But start to finish, the season is just fantastic. Never really comes off like they are short on ideas. There's a few, you know, filler episodes you could say, but honestly, they you need a little bit of downtime between the 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 high energy season. This one is it's just uh, it, they really amp it up. But uh, it also might be a stretch to say it's the last classic season since it's season five of nine. Uh, it's halfway through. It'd be silly to call it a classic. But, I mean, this is honestly just me being super masturbatory about it at this point anyway with these opinions. Let's get into the rundown. Mm. These are the must-watch episodes of the season. Mm. And I'm going to be trying to do a better job of being more discerning since there are just so many, I think 28 episodes a season, 26, I don't know. 
But let's get into it, shall we? Starting off, of course, with episode one and two, weight loss. One hell of a season opener and one of the few double episodes of the season. And when I say the season is more ambitious, it really shows in the episodes like the intro and the finale. Like weight loss took place over the whole summer between seasons four and five. Loads of gags just in like character appearances, the goatee growing and whatnot. And it was just a great like uh, storytelling device for showing us that the characters' lives continued into the summer, despite the show not being on the air. Uh, you don't often see that with TV shows where they're filling in. It, it It's great for the documentary format because it's like, yeah, their lives did go on even though the cameras, or rather the NBC, the, the, the documentary format is definitely getting looser in the season. I will say that. <laughs> but uh, Pam is now in New York City for her arts program. Kicks off a series of new receptionists in the season, including Ryan back as a temp. Uh, Michael pursues the new HR rep, Holly. We're all rooting for that relationship. And Andy plans his wedding with Angela, blissfully unaware of her affair with Dwight. Classic fun episode culminates in The Proposal. The classic Jim and Pam silent proposal in the rainy gas station. They worked a long time to get that scene made physically made i think they had to construct a gas station and put fake uh, uh fake shelves up in the background and everything anyway going on to episode three business ethics another must watch a great holly episode savor them while you can there's a good chance every holly episode is going to make the must watch list so michael's total immunity ethics seminar and the meredith sleeping with a supplier episode and this one's nice it's it's a fun one tackles some ethical dilemmas in the office but it's, it's kind of weird. Holly's the one who ends up getting in trouble out of all this with the head of HR for not sweeping all this under the rug. And there's a great bonding moment with her and Michael. The sweet episode starts to show Michael the HR side of Holly and vice versa. Like, it's great to see Holly's reaction to Michael Klump, for example. Um, we're on episode four, Baby Shower, just as their relationship is steaming up a bit. This is just such an awkward, terrible conflict for Michael. He's for some reason so hung up on Jan's sperm donor baby. And, like... I think this is really the episode that just cements his love for Holly because Jan's not having it and it just drives him to her even more. Really gives him some closure on the Jan relationship as well. And the B story throws some conflict into Jim and Pam's relationship with some of that long distance communication difficulty. Uh, moving on to episode five. Another Holly episode. A lot going on. Michael and Holly start dating. Angela firmly over Dwight. Jim nearly goes full Roy in his relationship, and they have that great auction in the warehouse. Ends with a bit of a cliffhanger, with cool guy David Wallace noticing that Michael and Holly are dating. Dun, dun, dun. Episode 6, Employee Transfer. Uh, <laughs> if the whole season's an emotional roller coaster, this one episode is maybe the biggest loops and turns, and oh, what a funny, fun episode, and a concept for an episode, and so heartbreaking at the same time, just, oh... Oh, thinking about it. Life is a highway. And this episode really shows off some acting chops from Steve Carell, Amy Ryan, and of course, Craig Robinson. We get a great Daryl episode here. And it is just, it's the most awkward road trip slash breakup imaginable. Uh, there's also the Jim's Brothers episode in New York. Season five's off to a fucking solid start. Six in a row amazing episodes. We won't see Holly again till the season finale, so what a memorable sending away she got. Oh, boy. Just 
we we all we all sympathized with Daryl there when he's just calling up his friends to just try to escape this situation as much as possible. Uh, jeez, I got to move on to episode seven. Just get this out of my mind. Customer survey. This one was almost not a must watch. It doesn't really deal with much overarching plot besides the Angela Andy wedding. But it's a great episode to remind everyone this is a grounded office setting, and we just had such an emotional wreck of an episode last time. But uh, but the episode's especially a must-watch, considering that Stephen Merchant is the director. This is, of course, the Tiny Bluetooth episode as well. And a uh, memorable one for Jim and Dwight teaming up to solve a classic whodunit with their low customer survey scores. Uh, Stephen Merchant, I'm excited to mention him just because he was actually on the commentary with like Paul Lieberstein talking about the differences in the British and American shows. So you better believe I'm going to be playing some clips right now of Stephen Merchant and Paul Lieberstein just talking about the TV show. Uh, the first clip I'm going to play, Stephen Merchant gets, it's just all about the differences between the, the British and the American office. And Paul Lieberstein talks a bit about the cutting process for the show, which I find interesting. It's all these really super interesting production stuff that, you know, maybe people don't like, but if you're still listening to the podcast at this point, you might. I don't know. It's very exciting to have Stephen Merchant come from England to direct. We also revered your series. Well, thank you very much. And, and I was so excited to be involved with yours because I, well, not only do I adore your show, but I, I, it's like I've won some kind of competition where I, I wrote into a TV channel and said, could you make a program about this? And then these group of extremely talented people made my program what I... You know, and just and sent it back in DVD form every week to sort of enjoy. What was cool about you coming though is that you spent a lot of time in our writers' room, which we a lot of directors don't do. Almost like almost two weeks you spent in the rewrite process. That was really cool for us. Well, I I had to sort of familiarize myself with the whole American way of making television, which is so very different from here in England. I mean, we were this tiny little sort of unit, just me and Ricky Gervais on our own, and this is extraordinary sort of production line that you have and and a whole sort of infrastructure of people. And I was really intimidated. I just, I didn't, I, I felt like I was the Wizard of Oz and you'd peek behind the curtain and you could see how, really, I'm just a tiny little man. Uh, and it was just the two of you? Just the two of us sat there. And, of course, all of our scripts were finished long before we got to the filming day. Very uh, unlike yours, I guess, where once you're into the thick of things, you know, you're writing as the show is being made. And that was the other thing I just found sort of extraordinary and exhausting and exhilarating. I mean, how you keep up the level of energy and sort of momentum is remarkable. Thanks. Thank it's you. Hard. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. So you're, you're, um, did you adjust scripts, um, as, uh, as you were filming along the way? Yes, we would change lines and change ideas once we were up and running. But, uh, generally speaking, we, we film what we'd scripted and, you know, we'd had time to rehearse a little and workshop. And that was something else I found really intimidating directing this was just kind of, no planning time, really, no rehearsal time. You may remember that I think I lost an extra day we were supposed to have for filming because of scheduling problems. Uh, I think the previous episode had to, you know, use up some of our filming time. So, yeah, it just felt like there was no there was no time once we got rolling to kind of stop and think and change things. It was just, let's get it down. The question we always hear is how much of our scripts are improvised. And for us, we've said it's about 15%. But when you guys would, would work... Did Ricky improvise a lot, and did like Mackenzie and the other actors? Did they? Did you? Did the scripts change a lot from when you wrote them to when they were as shot? 
Uh, they changed marginally, but it tended to be a sort of the beginning of a scene and at the end. You know, Ricky would sort of improvise into a scene, maybe, and then do what was scripted. And yeah, he would play around and he would change stuff. But I think once we got going, we, you know, we, a lot of that had, had occurred at the rehearsal stage. And so generally speaking, yeah, we didn't improvise a great deal. And again, I mean, what was amazing working on yours is, is how extraordinary everyone is at improvising. I mean, that again was something that was breathtaking, but, you know, particularly these two we're watching now. Is there just, you know, I mean, Steve Carell improvises stuff that Ricky and I would have spent months writing, which is particularly galling. Oh, it, you know, it, for, for us as well. Is there something? I'm just so knocked out by how much fun it is to work with these performers. Like, I just constantly felt embarrassed that they were just seeing through me. They knew I was bringing nothing to the party. I was just... That's what, we were, that's <laughs> what everyone was saying. Someone had to say, put the camera there. But, you know, they can do it in their sleep. Now, you did a lot of rehearsal, which is actually was actually unique to your directing. We don't usually rehearse. We do like one you mean walk Did I rehearse on the set? I don't we rehearsed with the actors, and I thought it was terrific. And I noticed a lot of uh, performances changed, and, and um, usually they do a blocking rehearsal. But, um, but without like really acting, the blocking you don't know that the blocking is going to work. Yeah, well, that was something that I learned from Ricky, which was great when we first started working in the office, was that, you know, I had a little bit of TV experience, and he was not a trained actor, and it was frustrating to him that he was being told where to stand, because it was like, well, that's not where I would stand as an actor. As the character, I just wouldn't move in that way. And I think that's a really useful thing, actually, is sort of allowing the actors, within reason, to sort of, during a rehearsal, govern where they're going to be and where they're going to stand. And then you can just nudge them in a few directions to make it slightly easier for the cameramen. See, it is a bunch of, bunch of interesting stuff from Stephen Merchant there. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna play any more of that clip just because I let Stephen Merchant go on for a little long there. He's earned it though. I'm gonna keep going on the rundown. Moving on to episode nine, Frame Toby. I am unfortunately skipping business trip on the must watch, as I feel the only really must watch part is where Michael tells off David Wallace at the end. That being said. Frame Toby is a real must-watch because it is the return of Michael's nemesis to replace Holly. There's a great bit where Michael plants the caprese salad, all the way from buying the drugs off the fans' refrigeration guys to having to admit to the police that it's his salad. And also this is the episode where Jim buys a house. And Ryan leaves for Thailand, but really it's for Germany to shoot Inglorious Bastards. Good for good for BJ Novak. Uh, moving on to episode 10. Season 5 is chock full of these fun, grounded office episodes. But uh, this one also features some Shroot Farm silliness. This is, of course, the famous chair versus copier episode. As well as the episode where Dwight secretly marries Angela. Moving on, of course, to episode 11, Moroccan Christmas. You think I'm going to leave a Christmas episode off a must-watch list? Not a chance. Even if this isn't the most Christmassy of Christmas episodes, still a great one. And Meredith goes to rehab. Phyllis calls her blackmail bluff by revealing Angela's infidelity to the whole office. Uh, and then, of course, episode 12, The Duel, it's come to this. It's a high-tension episode resulting in a hilarious car versus bike chain showdown. Classic parking lot duel between Andy and Dwight. And it ends in the double dumping of Angela after they realize she's been lying to them both. Meanwhile, Michael's in New York getting praised for his inexplicable success through these hard economic times. Speaking of which, episode 13, Prince Family Paper. It's another realistic office full of paper salesman episode. Michael has to do some dirty work and steal some info from Prince Family Paper, a small local paper shop. Meanwhile, it's also the Hillary Swank hotness debate. Back at the office. 
Uh, this, of course, brings us to the big episode of the season, Stress Relief. The big one for the big game. So much build up to this episode, and I think it was all worth it. For just massive roller coaster of action and drama. Starts out with nothing but grade A Dwight antics. He starts that fire, cuts the face off that training dummy. Then Michael de-stresses the office with the roast. And Jim loves Pam so much that it makes her parents divorce. Uh, so, in addition to all the NBC promotional material for the Super Bowl episode, they featured on the DVD, I found some weird news clip where they interview Steve Carell and talk about the production of this episode. And The Office will have its time to shine after Sunday's Super Bowl between the Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The show stars comedic genius Steve Carell, and it's one of NBC's strongest shows. The post-Super Bowl episode features cameos by Jessica Alba, Chorus Leachman, and Jack Black. Steve Carell talked about the post-Super Bowl opportunity. Big episode. Super Bowl episode, big episode, a lot of eyes on the show, so we're very, very excited. He also said that he applauds the tasteful way the show's creators put cameos in the episode. Uh, my, my personal uh, feelings about the episode, I always thought that it would be strange to have a star, a recognizable figure, show up in this Scranton office. So I think the writers were very clever in the way they were able to incorporate these you know, very famous celebrities into the Dunder Mifflin world. So I think fans of the show, uh, it's, it's in keeping with the, the, the whole premise of the show, so I don't think fans will be disappointed. The post-Super Bowl episode is titled Stress Relief, and it also stars Angela Kinsey, Kate Flannery, and Ed Helms, among other cast standouts. Okay, let's cut. So that's a weird video, just filled with clips of um, of a random behind-the-scenes filming of some episode. I think it's stress relief. But yeah, massive. Uh, we went over how massive the episode was on our episode about that episode, but it's still just the most most viewed episode by a huge margin. And they didn't slow down after it because they jumped right into another double episode, episode 16, 17, Lecture Circuit. We are so spoiled in season five. There's just so many good episodes in a row, and right when you think there's got to be some downtime or filler episodes, wham. Two-part episode, Michael and Pam going on a road trip, and it just, they really reach the highest highs of humor. Michael's lectures, and uh, uh, Pam getting closure with Karen and whatnot, and then just the lowest lows of dejection when Michael learns of Holly's new boyfriend. And then, meanwhile, uh, it's Kelly's uh, birthday party back in the office. But mostly, Mindy Kaling wrote a hell of a double episode here. Easy must-watch. Uh, Michael's relationship really coming up. It, just because Holly's gone doesn't mean it's not another major theme of the season. But um, I'm afraid to get on this next part of the rundown, because if I do it wrong, Charles Minor's going to get on my ass. I am skipping Blood Drive and Golden Ticket. Moving right on to episode 20, New Boss. I think Blood Drive and Golden Ticket are great episodes that deal with Michael's relationship with both women and corporate, respectively. But considering the caliber of the episode since the Christmas break, and just like the level of episodes which close out the season, these two feel a bit like filler. Although, if you're watching them on a marathon, you definitely are skipping these episodes. Uh, New Boss, however, kicks off the six-episode Charles Minor arc, which we all know is the Joffrey of The Office. This episode signaled a really ambitious move by The Office, that Michael Scott quit at the end of the episode. It was really leaving it open, like, what is going to happen next? So, of course, the next episode's going to be must-watch. Two weeks. Michael Scott decides to open his own paper company, takes Pam with him. 
This episode could honestly have been part two of New Boss. Takes out that cliffhanger nature of Michael quitting. Really flows together with it, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, 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 moving into episode 22, Dream Dream. Can you say classic episode? It is the return of Ryan, as well as Vikram. And back at the office, Charles Minor is really starting to tear into Jim with his new uh, BJ Novak talked about the Idris Jim dynamic, where uh, Jim is this new flustered, you know, he's finally getting his shit called out by a serious boss. And Dwight is just delighted by it. Uh, and this is a great episode for fans of when the show takes place out of the office from, you know, everything the Michael Scott Paper Company does leading into the next episode. And I'm just going to lump all three of the Michael Scott Paper Company arc together, episodes 23 through 25, MSPC, Heavy Competition, and Broke. It's a wonderful three-episode arc. Uh, the Michael Scott Paper Company moves back into the Dunder Mifflin office building to compete and take their clients. Very bold of the show, not just to introduce the new antagonist, Charles Minor, but to, you know, work it out in such a way that the show can basically reset back to where it was at the start of the Charles Minor arc, where you have Mike, Michael back in charge, but you also bring back Ryan and promote Pam and keep this new character, Aaron the Receptionist. Like, it would be impossible not to put the entire Charles Minor arc on a must-watch list. It's a super compelling six episodes of the show. Uh, uh, like, the, the, the stakes are not normally as high as they are in these six episodes for the office, for everyone in the office. For all we know, Charles Minor is going to be the boss forever now, and it's just going to be the Michael Scott Paper Company versus Charles Minor show from here on out. But they tied it up really neatly in six eps. So moving on to episode 26, Casual Friday, the official return of Michael, Pam, and Ryan. And it's the episode that tackles the troubles of integrating their new roles into the office. As well as just being a fun episode for showing off Casual Friday. Uh, episode 27 is not going to be on this list. Uh, Cafe Disco, I kind of agree with Stanley on this one. I would like the memory of a day uninterrupted by this nonsense. <laughs> so yeah, that's... Moving on to Company Picnic. A massive season like this deserves a massive finale. Company Picnic delivers with a huge out-of-the-office event, bringing all of the branches together for a massive company picnic. Michael's reunited with Holly, but he ends up having to just find some peace and being patient with their relationship. Then Pam is revealed to be pregnant after a devastating volleyball injury. This, is, this was the 100th episode of the show, so of course it had some commentary with some major players thinking back fondly over their time of the show. Um, and it was also just such a big finale revelation for like where the show is going to be going from here. Uh, we're back on having branches being shut down all over the place. It's it, The financial troubles are implied throughout the season just because that's what was happening in the world at the time. But Dunder Mifflin's been doing, or Scranton Branch at least, has been doing fine. But we're back to having some branch closures and shit. It's, it's, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but we do know that Jim and Pam have a little baby on the way, so we'll see how that plays out. Really solid book ending the season with starting out on the Jim and Pam proposal, ending on finding out that they're pregnant. But, I mean, on, like just for that, I, I do really want to play the commentary from this episode where they talk about the absurd amount of security for that final revelation of Pam's pregnancy. Because it really, they went all out. 
So now everyone knows the outcome of this episode, but at the time, this was one of the you know top secrets within the company. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in fact, as I recall, none of the scripts had the final scene between Pam and Jim in scripts it. Scripts, and um, there was an absurd amount of security. Yeah. Um, in, in giving out uh, the discs of this, even to the network, and it turned out that not only did we delete the scenes from the uh, DVD that we gave to the network, but we also like. Put everyone's name, watermarked everyone's name above the whole thing. And it was like, well, we could have done one or the other. NBC got uh, these top security watermark uh, discs that also uh, didn't have, have the scene. scene. <laughs> That's great. So what were we protecting? Volleyball? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're probably like, so. what? There's no surprise in here. Um, and then, I mean, as long as I'm on the commentary here, here's, here's, here's all the people waxing poetic. Uh, uh, who is all involved in this commentary here? This is Paul Lieberstein, Ken Quapas, and Jennifer Salata. Big names here, people. Big names. Episode 100. God, how so weird. Felt like such a uh, an incredible accomplishment. Yeah. Like, it really felt like a bizarre landmark. I don't know why, but I was so proud that we had done it. Yeah. It was too. very exciting, and it felt, standing there with the cast, it felt, I know it's like a corny thing to say, but it felt like a week earlier I was directing the pilot it's like oh. so weird it was so you know, very yeah. wonderful and it's just so wonderful to see also the way every character has grown like i remember at the pilot you know people like creed and phyllis were basically there to kind of there to fill desks and it's just so cool to see how those characters have developed yeah what about season three would you say three or four where i think the show became about a whole office full of people yeah yeah, it really expanded into the yeah. other, seeing what was going on with everybody's now, now, Paul, I directed your first appearance in Diversity Day. Oh, yeah. really? You walked oh. into the conference room and then got kicked out. <laughs> you were on screen for about 20, 10 seconds, I think. I had no idea what I was doing. I remember at the time not having any clue what the point of that character was that you were playing. You walked in and got kicked out, and I thought, what, what the kind of idea is this? <laughs> Oh boy, I'm just getting emotional thinking about that. Oh man, I, I didn't, I didn't come up with any sort of ranking for these seasons, by the way. But man, hundred episodes. Looking back, it, it, it's really difficult to rank the seasons. They're all top tier. I said it. Um. Okay, I've uh, seasons two, three, and five, tier one. Season four, tier one and a half. The uh, season one, tier two. I don't know. It's easy and it's easier to rank the DVDs. <laughs> and I think that we have a winner here because the season five DVD comes with five discs. And this is the transition. This is, this is, I'm trying to bridge the gap between me talking about season five and trying to wrap up the show by talking about the DVD because I have to go to work really soon here and it's starting to concern me. So the season five DVD has five discs, the ultimate season so far in terms of DVD quantity. And uh, it's got a fun little clip in terms of bonus features. We all know what's on the DVD. It's all the episodes. It's it's commentary, deleted scenes, etc. But it's the bonus features you're looking for. There's 100 episodes, 100 moments, which is a like eight minute clip show of 100 great clips from the first 100 episodes. Except that it's official and not some weird YouTube compilation or like a clip show official episode. I'm looking at you, the banker. And they basically did my work for me, so I don't have to compile my own clips. So go and watch that on YouTube, or if you if you don't have the DVDs, 
Um, then there's also another great panel discussion with the cast and crew leading up to season five, I think, at the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences presents. Andy Richter does the interview of all people. Greg Daniels is involved still. And uh, the only video I found was on Facebook of all places. I couldn't find one on YouTube. Again, if you don't have the DVDs, Google it. The Academy of Television's Art and Sciences presents The Office. Steve Carell's also involved in the panel. And there's just a bunch of interesting behind-the-scenes tidbits. It's around 30 minutes long, though, so I'm not going to mine it for clips here. Uh, uh, but yeah, highly recommend that one. Then, of course, there are the Super Bowl promos. They're kind of funny bits. Uh, the ads for the stress relief Super Bowl special. Actually, I don't know if these are ads. I found these on Daily Motion. If you want to look for them, but they because they definitely benefit from viewing more than listening. I won't play any clips or anything. Uh, the first one is Athletic Supporter, has Michael showing off his new sports cup, and Dwight testing it. And the second one, Butt Incentive. Uh, Michael sees a need to step up the slap on the butt for a good job from sports. You know, good job, slap him on the ass. But he proceeds to just grope and grab asses and get way too into it and just sexually harass everyone in the office to the point where everyone starts underperforming for fear of getting their ass groped. Uh, very funny video. Would be funny if not a bit much in the show itself. It seems it, it plays like a deleted scene, much more than an ad. And uh, it's called Butt Incentive. Highly recommend that one. Uh, uh, then, then the DVD also has the Summer Olympics promos. They're similar to the Super Bowl promos, except they're more obviously ads. And it makes me think the Super Bowl ones were released on the NBC website or something. Anyway, these are worth a watch. They're short talking heads instead of full bits. And they are definitely funnier than you'd expect for an ad. I'm, I'm actually going to play one of these. Uh, uh, this is Dwight talking about the centathlon. And apologies because, yes, this does definitely sound like an ad here. Decathlon is for wimps. I'm talking centathlon. 100 sports. Broad jump, side jump, front jump, back jump, animal mimicry, wall climbing, cup stacking, coal digging, hide the hamster, boat repair, projectile spitting, Q-tipping. While Dwight keeps working on that, we'll just keep waiting for the new season of The Office. Nasal projection, fugitive track, rabbit hunting, pain tolerance, die casting, knuckle chuck, Turkish luge, pizza making, whoa, hula hoop, battleship, bow hunting, boating, taekwondo, cabinet making, flapping. Murder ball. Murder checkers. So this this really comes off like NBC just had the rights to that song waiting and uh, wanted to throw it and everything. But <laughs> some fun bits from Dwight there. It's all it's all these like talking head style things. But the one I couldn't find a clip of this for some reason. But my favorite one is a talking head from Michael because this could be put into probably anywhere in the season, especially the finale, because he's specifically talking about volleyball. Uh, uh, <laughs> is this leaning back, acting all defensive in his, in his office? And I can't find a clip I'm just going to do. I'm just going to read out what he says. Yes, I love women's volleyball, but not for the reason you think that I do. I just enjoy watching beautiful tall women horsing around on the beach. It's like the swimsuit issue. I don't care about the swimsuits. I just care about what's underneath. But maybe that's just me. Hilarious Michaelism. Just. <laughs> uh, there's also Jim gets Dwight and Andy to play a slapping game, and Dwight throws a pencil javelin right near Kevin's head. Pretty intense bit. Uh, the DVD also has the Kevin's Lone, Outburst, and Blackmail webisodes. 
And uh, like I said, the usual deleted scenes, bloopers, commentaries. There's a weird, fun commentary for episode two where it's BJ Novak and a lot of the caterers on the show where they go over all the actors, like personal, it's super inside baseball, uh, all their personal food orders and whatnot. Uh, it really gives you the sense, though, that everyone on the set is like definitely they, they treat it like a family. They joke about it on the show itself that everybody that works together is a family. But they apparently it's like that when they're on the actual filming of The Office itself. And um, in terms of like the DVD exclusives, I couldn't find it. There wasn't just a basic laid out list on Dunderpedia, so it's going to be a little harder. But uh, I think the Best Buy had a Shroot Farms beatbox, and there's some bonus disc version that exists on Amazon that has a, another Q&A with the writers of The Office at the Museum of Television and Radio, which I think is the Pally Center now. So I'm wondering if that's the Pally Center Q&A from a previous season. I'm considering buying the DVD just to see, honestly. It's on Amazon. Uh, But yeah, that's the season five DVDs. It's really hard to rank these. I don't want to rank anything now that I've come. I've, I I talked a big talk about rating shit. Now I don't want to do it. Uh, 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 so I I mentioned up top on the show that we're about to be going into a hiatus, and it's definitely not. And it's it's not one of those hiatuses that's going to go on forever. And actually, the show isn't going to come back. So stay subscribed. Tell your friends about the podcast if you so choose. I'm sure there are better podcasts to recommend out there, but uh, we will be back on the air, and when we are, I promise all the later season analysis. Plus, honestly, I'm looking forward to plenty of Africa stories from Colby thrown in the mix, so that should be fun as well. Um, and another thing, I guess this will also serve as the unofficial accidental two-year anniversary celebration of Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica. I've been so busy lately, time's really been slipping away as I descend into madness. I completely forgot to celebrate at the start of the month. So, hurrah for two years. This was meant to be around the time the podcast was ending, ironically. And we've really only made it past the halfway point in the show. I gotta say, I blame the Peace Corps. So, <laughs> I'll, do a, I'll do a goodbye for now. Uh, uh, look forward to sporadic releases of minisodes. Uh, will I build up a backlog and find a new co-host to do this with? And have more free time to not be going insane in the background. Because for as easy as this seems like it is to do, I accidentally gave myself a bunch of work and going back and doing a recap of all the seasons. <laughs> that was not smart of me. Anyway, uh, in the meanwhile, Colby's still posting updates on his blog, so I'm probably going to post a link to that on Twitter. Uh, uh, go listen to that, honestly. It's, or go read that, honestly. He does a, it's much more interesting than this. Um, obviously, also, again, if the Office reboot happens, we're going to be coming back for that. But until then... Uh, we're going to go and give you a hearty goodbye. So after I say goodbye and sign off here, um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with one more clip from the commentary, but, uh, thank you again for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hit us up at bearsbeatsbgpod at gmail.com. Uh, especially with this long hiatus coming here, uh, uh, we welcome any input, no matter what time you're listening to this. Or hit us up on Twitter, at BearsBeatsBGPod, if I haven't already said that. And thank you again for listening. I've been your co-host, Cameron. And this has been Bears, Bears Beats. Oh, Jesus. Battlestar Galactica. Bears. See you next time. Beats. Bears. Beats. Battlestar Galactica. 
That was the lesson of Rashida Jones. We still oh, have the yeah. Rashida special. Yeah. Oh, very popular. Rashida special is like, uh, it, it's on fire every time, wherever you go. Yeah. And then when we do a commercial or something, we, uh, we do that special and it really, really kicks in real good. Why don't you explain what the Rashida is? It's, uh, Black. Copyright. Yeah, right. It's uh, black. <laughs> Big time catering owns yeah. Rashida. Yeah, we already meet uh, Rashida and us. We talked already about it. But it's a black beans, uh, turkey bacon, two corn tortillas, uh, avocado, and egg red salsa with some egg whites. Wow. All, all put to the side, everything on the side. And it's, it's pretty good. I, a lot of protein. A lot of protein. It's really good. Yeah. If you have it, you like it, you'll come again for it. It's good. It's excellent. Yeah, that's a good deal. What about uh, Jenna? Jenna's